All right, Nick Smart. Uh, our our friend Kamara Usman just uh, I, like I want I, I want to say laid a beating into Gilbert Burns because you know uh, stoppage in the second round seem you know if you just look at the box score you would think but Usman took some hits in that first round that I know made both you and me kind of gasp for air I, yeah. I I thought uh Burns biggest mistake and, and we talked about this just a minute ago here was that he seemed to lay on his back and say like what are you gonna do for me from there and then Usman came and hit him with two good fucking shots that made Burns want to get back on his feet real quick. So I, I guess my question is, Burns is off the table. Covington, I guess, is there. But until he wins his fight night, that's kind of off the table. Um, well, right now, Covington doesn't have a fight. For some reason, that Masvidal-Covington fight hasn't been made. Yeah, something's going on there. We don't have the full story. Usman just called out Masvidal, so maybe Covington might be a, a dance partner for even longer now. Well, is is there a world? And and listen, if you ever listen to this podcast for the political discussion, you bet your ass we're going to talk about the impeachment at the end here. Um, or or well, there was an impeachment, the lack of conviction at the end here. Um. Is is there a world that Covington just kind of understands, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to get too deep into the political stuff, but like, listen, two years ago or a year and a half ago, it was a newsflash that Mitt Romney was the first ever member of his own party to vote to convict on an impeachment and today we had seven senators vote to convict a member of their own party. Um, is it possible that Covington realizes that uh, whatever game he's been playing, because the argument around Covington has always been, yeah. well, it's, it's just an act. It's a work. It's, you know, it's he doesn't actually it believe it. He's it just is. fucking around. So if, if, if those things are true, is it possible that Covington's just like, hey, I just got to actually hang my head low for a while here yeah. because, yeah, because this Reset this actually act. went super bad. Yeah. Uh, um, it sounds like everything I can gather and everything from what I can read of the tea leaves is that he wants to fight. He wants to be in there. My guess is that with him and Masvidal, it's money related. Um, yeah. Usually George has a history of holding these things up with money. Uh, yeah. And so, and on the Masvidal front, sorry to cut you off. I'll let you talk yeah. after this part. You know, we talked about the idea that like Masvidal had an excuse or whatever. I would argue the more likely scenario as to why Masvidal took that fight is that Burns backed out at the last minute. They didn't have a headliner. They desperately needed someone. And Masvidal could basically cut his own check. And he probably got paid at least a million dollars to fight that fight. Um, what do you? Yeah, think? They, absolutely. Uh, Masvidal had leverage. They Dana called him back, made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Masvidal has pretty much confirmed as much. Um, it's all about the Benjamins. Uh, John Jones, another guy that's come out and says all he wants is money fights. Now he wants. So, I mean, if John Jones has any sense at all, he'll realize Izzy Adesanya versus him is the biggest fight in the sport, and that's where the money is. 
not necessarily at heavyweight. There's big fights for him at heavyweight. Of course, we'll see what Adesanya does, USC 259 against Jan Blachowicz, uh, if he can get the light heavy title. But back to Covington, I, I'd like to see him in Masvidal. I'd like to see that business get sorted out. Former teammates turn enemies. I think it's a great story. Uh, conflicting reports of who got the better of who in the gym. The thing about Covington is people can say what they want about him, whether he actually is MAGA or it's a work. The guy can fight. I mean, if you watch the Usman fight, the guy can fight. That's one of the best five UFC fights I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because the, uh, I want to say aforementioned Kelvin Gastelum, but a guy who fought tonight in Kelvin Gastelum, I say him versus Adesanya is in my top five. Now, maybe it's it's due to the timing that I came into the sport, and, but that fight had a large impact on me. And that was a war. That was a bloodbath from what I can remember. That right now is in my top five fights. And quick note on Kelvin Gaslam. I thought he looked a bit chubby tonight. I thought he looked a bit out of shape. I thought against what I consider kind of a nobody, kind of a jobber, um, he didn't look that, that great. He has this awful habit of when he's going down defending submissions, he turns his back and I, I pretty much said everything, but someone's going to grab this guy by the neck. And about 30 seconds later, <laughs> the exact same thing happened. And of course, the fight before, Gaslam tapped early because of a, a heel hook. I think it was Jack Hermanson. So no shame there. I don't know what you do with Gaslam going forward. He wanted, sounds like tonight, he was saying he wanted to be the backup fighter in case anything happened in the Paula Costa Whitaker fight. Um, I guess, but I'd like to see Gaslam maybe focus on his body a little more for his next fight. Maybe I'm the only one who thought that. No, I, I, there was, listen, we're talking about a guy who gained like a lot of weight since he got married. So I'm not like stones from glass houses. I will admit, yeah, acknowledge you're also it, not right? a pro athlete. And I'm also I'm not a pro athlete. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a good point. Um, that that guy had a lot of fucking chub hanging around. Like, you know, I l- listen, I'll tell you what. You watch Usman, if Usman leans to the side, leans to the other side, you don't see a lot of fat pouring out. He's chiseled and stuff. Right? It's like his... Aslam had love handles tonight. And there were love handles on that dude. Yeah. Now, he won his fight, and so you don't yeah. want to like... No, exactly. You know. Got his... He was quite emotional, too. It's a good story. First time getting his hand raised in, like, three years now. No shame losing out of Sonya. The Darren Till fight was hard, and, again, uh, Hermanson caught him early. The fight of... I, the, the the story of Hillich or whatever, I don't know if you looked that up. That's a wild ride. Uh, for anyone who just listened to the UFC commentary tonight, this guy got busted trying to sell 2,000 ecstasy pills fled on bail to Spain, worked as a bartender for a while, then decided to start running coke between Colombia and mm. Spain and gets caught with a kilo of coke going into Spain, ends up in a U.S. prison. Yeah, they said he, he did his time in Rikers. Like, what the fuck? Well, he did He did some time overseas and then did some uh, time sure. in Rikers. And, God. you know, but, like, that's that's yeah, a fucking that's... story. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know? It is. I... I shouldn't disrespect him by saying he was a nobody and a bit of a jobber. That, that's a good story. To come back from that, get in and fight top ten guys. That's that's a good story. I mean, at the end of the day, well, and he was and, and he was ranked so. fifteen or something, right? Like, yeah, look, no, no, that's great. That's listen, great. It, um, you, you know, the thing I sent you a message about on that third last fight is that 
you know, we... <laughs> Uh, I, I don't think it was the Gastelum fight. I think it was a fight a little earlier in, or or part of me, uh, Ricky Simon fight, man. Yeah, that that got moved. You know, now yeah. you mentioned to me like, oh, there was some like COVID stuff yeah, or whatever that moved. I think later. there was a Jim Miller fight in that slot, and I assume something COVIDy happened. And fine, but which is ironic still... because because that Ricky Simone Kelleher bat uh, had been put off, I think, twice because of COVID. Um, I'm a Ricky Simone fan. I, I like the way he weaponizes pace. I I love that. That listen that that kid was fun to watch. He's nuts. If you're gonna have a hard time telling me that I should pay sixty five dollars, I mean, yeah, you to yeah, watch like, two unranked yeah, fighters, yeah, yeah. two fights before the meet. Listen, if that was the first fight on, I'd be like, ah, eh, whatever. Yeah, all right, you got no. a couple unranked fighters I and they're it. like hidden hard, but like. That's the third fight on a five fight card that I paid sixty five dollars for. Are you fucking kidding me? No, I, yeah, you, you don't. You don't have to sell me whatsoever on that. Um, I don't want Dana coming after me, but I guess I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, fair um, enough. I'm I'm seeing these. Fights I paid the sixty five dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, I, that's. I'll get I on a, a fucking high horse over here because yeah, yeah, I no, paid exactly, the sixty five dollars. Exactly. No, no, for sure, <laughs> no. for sure, absolutely, man, absolutely. You have, you have perfect stance here to, to have gripes with that um i agree completely uh it's it that's the problem is you know if you want to see a card every weekend now you know as my grandfather who you know used to grow up uh watching original six hockey you know when he say, sees some of these bottom feed nhl teams in a 32 team league you know he'll be the first to say there's not enough good players to go around uh one could maybe argue there's not enough good premium UFC fighters to, to, you know, fill out card after card, weekend after weekend. Well, I, you know, I said, especially this with COVID robbing, you know, robbing fights because of COVID and et cetera. So I, well, tell you what, here's a couple ideas. Number one, uh, the, the thing I texted you earlier on discord of like, why would you not put Lewis versus blades as the co-main event of this show? Like, give me a five I, round Lewis versus blades as the number one undercard or, or, you know, at, at the number two spot on this show, that's, I am more excited think, for the fight next week than I was yeah. about Usman Burns. Yep. Yeah, no, I, me too. Me too. Um, I was bummed when blades and Lewis got pushed again, uh, because of code, uh, keeping surprise, in mind surprise. that this fight also got pushed because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, you know, you get, <laughs> It was weird enough before COVID to get excited for fights. Well, not weird, but one thing that always bummed me out about boxing was the long wait. And same with the UFC, right? Like, I mean, COVID played zero factor in the Stipe versus DC trilogy. And to crank those three fights out pretty much took like five years of my life, it felt like. Yeah. Um. So to get hyped up for these fights that are three months down the road and then you get within five weeks of them, four weeks, three weeks... And then they get kicked back to another eight weeks. Uh, I said this privately to a couple people going into this card. Um, I was a lot more excited for Usman Burns when it was supposed to happen over the summer, uh, basically, or, you know, early fall. So I, you know, this was one of the COVID ones that got rescheduled that completely lost momentum in my books. I, I wasn't like you. I wasn't that excited for tonight. Uh, as far as Blake Lewis goes, I think they had their hearts set on that headlining a fight night 
I think that's the only reason they didn't cram that on this card. And also, too, with the COVID cancellation, I think I think it was on Blades' side, and maybe he's not ready to go yet. And just without uh, going on too much of a rant here, just to finish up the COVID-19 take, that was one thing that at the end of the day, I was thinking tonight, how's this going to go? Gilbert Burns recovering from COVID, and we have Marty Usman recovering from multiple surgeries. I eventually uh, put my money on the man recovering from surgery, not COVID, because I feel like one of the themes on this show has been guys who do come back from COVID across all these platforms of sports are kind of uh, Ezekiel Elliott types. I, really, they're lesser. They're lesser people. They're lesser athletes. Yeah, really strong call there because. I don't know how long it's going to take people to identify a trend, but this is sure looking like a trend. Yep. And Rogan even said it himself. Uh, Burns was breathing out of his, out of his mouth real early tonight for a conditioned athlete who has never had cardio problems. He, his gas tank was dry pretty early. With, I'm, with that said, Usman's jab was out yeah, of control. Oh my God. Man, he floored him just, twice with just yeah. a jab. Well, I mean, he, the, the knockdown that eventually led to the knockout in the yeah, second was round hurt. was a jab. Um, and I'm a, it, from my boxing days, like I've been watching boxing since I was 10, right? I've been watching UFC since I was 35. I've been watching boxing since I was 10. And one of the early things you learn watching boxing is the jab is underrated, that like if you if you find a boxer with a really good jab, that guy's gonna go fucking far. And Usman kind of strikes me as that guy, where he's just like, yeah, I'm just gonna slam you with my jab fifteen times in that first round, and none of it's gonna look super great. Nope. But you know, one time I'm gonna hit you with it, it's gonna feel real bad. Um. That is the one spot that Usman does look a bit clinky, a bit clanky is with his boxing. It doesn't look as fluid, as quick. Burns definitely looked faster earlier, definitely looked more lethal with his hands earlier. Usman, but Usman said that jab, he got hit and it hurt, and he was like, oh, I got to pay attention. Yeah, and, and yeah, he was hurt. Honestly. I think that knee hurt him too. Uh, maybe. that, But, but Usman's um, explanation – of how that went really actually jives with what I saw at least with, with the eye test that he, he was like, Oh, that shit hurt. I got to pay attention now. And all of a sudden Newsman was just like, all right, I'm not going to let you hit me with some like wild hooks anymore. Yeah. Right. Like I'm, I'm going to jab. I'm going to jab. If you go down, we'll figure that out. But like, if you want to, if you want to throw haymakers, I'm not just going to be like, all right, I'll eat the shot and move on. It's like, no, that actually hurts. So I'm going to, I'm going to treat you like an adult. Um, you have to wonder if that was maybe one where Usman should have, or uh, if Fern should have went for the jugular, if that was his best moment. And, and great point. Because he did kind of like. If you see him stung, if you see him stung, don't you just sell out? And and it's it's hard, it, it is hard. I don't want to like uh, try to oversimplify this. If you're Oose, or pardon me, if you're Burns, um, you see him hurt, but it's like yeah, if you sell out, 
and you fucking blow your gas tank and then you got four more rounds after this and you didn't end up finishing him, you you lost for sure, right? And we saw that earlier uh, in the in the preliminary main event so the the sixth fight in the night i guess you would say where the dude went out was like i'm gonna finish this guy here i got him on the ground i'm gonna wrestle him i'm gonna fucking kill him and he didn't and then they got back on his on their feet and the dude died because he was like oh yeah my arms are shot my legs are shot i tried to like out wrestle you for three minutes and it didn't work out and now i have nothing left you gotta one like I don't know that like Burns watched that and that was a lesson to him, but you wonder if Burns thinks like, okay, yeah, I hurt him. Um, so instead of thinking like, okay, I have to go finish him. He's like, well, if I hurt him, I can hurt him again. And turned out you couldn't because Usman's a fucking super smart fighter and goes, oh, I didn't like that. I'm not going to let you do that again. Am I wrong? No, I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, my impression was that he was hurt and that now maybe he was. There was no Usman was definitely hurt by that yeah. shot by Burns in the first. Yeah. I, I thought he was like probably more hurt than most. I, I thought I thought it was over. As soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, my God, I've seen this happen. It, it was Frankie Edgar last weekend all over again. Well, Frankie uh, Edgar was another, you know, that guy was out. Oh, my God. Well, uh, Chael Sonnen said it best. He said, uh, Frankie Edgar should have no shame and nothing from here on really changes for Frankie Edgar. That shot would have put anybody out. People calling for Frankie's retirement. That's one thing, but I mean, nobody would have been able to take that shot. Same thing with when Masvidal, the flying knee on Askren, that would have put down a mule. You know, it's embarrassing for Ben Askren. He's taken it very well, but that would have knocked anybody out. And I, I think the same thing for, uh, that Frankie Edgar shot. That's a tough one for me because Edgar took that shot because he left himself open for it, right? And and uh, maybe I'm a bit of a square, but at least the way they explained it to me on the TV and it, it made sense watching it was that he was fainting one thing. Ed- yeah, he drew him in. Yeah, he so he drew him into that spot and then went, okay, I'll knock you the fuck out. Yeah. Um, the problem with Frank Yeager is he is height challenged and Cody Sanhagen's a long guy with long legs, Big long boy. limbs. Yeah. And Frank Yeager is just a little midget in there. Like I hate to use that term, but um, that's literally the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> you know, Frank Yeager, he's a Hall of Fame guy, former belt holder. He's had a good career, but very short guy. And I'm not even sure he should have been in there with Sanhagen just based on the, the length discrepancy. And Zan Hagen said in the interview, he said, I, I felt it like a magnet. I was just drawing him in. I knew when he was in my my missile range, and I launched. Um. All right, let's go through the main card here. Uh, Grasso won. I said uh, I wouldn't start be... Start of the night. Start of the night. Oh, interesting. Okay, I, I wouldn't... Oh, she, stole, she stole the night. I, uh, think I think Usman. I still think Usman. It's like... Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I just... He had a better... Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I want to give Grasso some, some rub, though. I, I think uh, I think good things are on the way for her. I think uh, she's got the skills. 
I think she I think she has the looks. I, I think uh, Mexican male fighters are, are always a big deal. I guess we're going to find out if Mexican female fighters are a big deal. Yeah, she had a good it, showing, I, I really thought. Yeah. yeah, I think good things are on the way. And the thing about the girl she beat, Macy Barber, uh, that's a company favorite right there. Um, Dana and the talking heads in the UFC definitely were hoping Barber won tonight, I think. And Barbara's not going anywhere. She'll get, she's only 22. Um, we still could be looking at a star in the making if she can uh, rattle off a couple wins here going forward. Um, we talked about Gastelman a little bit. Anything else you want to add about that fight? I, I didn't think, here's what I would say. And, and, and I mentioned this to you, uh, pardon me, I, I, I texted this to you a couple times. I do not understand if you're facing Gastelum, uh, he is a strong wrestler, clearly. Why the fuck? Here's the thing. You lost the first round, right? I it, it, Listen, that happens in fights. You lose the first round. That doesn't mean the fight's over. But in the second round, you come, you, you know, you throw a couple punches. You're landing some stuff. It's looking okay. You're doing okay in the stand-up. And then you fucking throw out a flying knee all of a sudden. Gastelum just grabs you, puts you to the ground. Why are you leaving your feet when your best chance of winning the fight is in the stand-up? I don't get that. Um, So, yeah, Gastelum won, but he won in a scenario where it's like twice in the second round and the third round, we got guys going for Superman punches or flying knees or all this shit. And you can just grab them and put them down and slow the fight down. And you end up winning. Like, I don't know that he looked so good that I'm like, Hey, let's get this guy like a serious shot right now. Like it looked okay. Who gasoline? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wasn't impressed whatsoever. Yeah. And, and but I, I think, I think, what he came in planning to say, because when they asked him, what, what do you want? What's next for you? He obviously had put some thinking into this. And I think it was very smart to attach himself to Paul Acosta and uh, Robert Whitaker. I think that was a great career move for him tonight, especially after how I thought he looked uh, a little flabby. Yeah. And I, I wonder like, and can I just say quickly, supposedly he usually fights at a weight class down. They were saying, I don't know how the hell he makes that weight class, first of all. Second of all, he's 29. Got to think into his mid-30s. He's not going to be able to cut that weight anymore, right? Yeah, I don't I don't know. And part of, part of what I was going to say earlier is like, I just don't know what these guys are doing when you're like, you kind of got to the title level, but you yeah. couldn't cut it. Yep. And, and... I think, you know, not to backtrack, but I think this is kind of part of the Burns thing from tonight, too. Like, Burns was legit yeah. bawling his eyes out well, after yeah. this fight, yeah. you know? Yeah. He he could see the writing on the wall, even if it was in Portuguese. And he, that's funny. Um, and I don't get these guys where you have shown that you cannot cut it at a level to win a championship. So, like, why are you hanging around to be number four? Yep. You know? Like, I guess it's your well, living. Yeah. Paging Frankie Edgar, right? I mean, we just talked yeah. about him. This this gatekeeper, 
you know, I feel like I still have fights in me. Some guys fight for money. Frankie says he fights for the love. Um, you know, I, I say good for you, but usually guys don't play for the love in the NFL, and there's a reason for that, right? Yeah. Usually um, it's for money. Like, let's, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, that's just yeah. it. I mean, simulated car crash once a week. Uh, these guys are even getting theoretically worse, but three times a year. So I, I, it's, that's a different convo for a different show, I guess. But, but uh, my, um, my yeah, gatekeeper, is... right? I, I think I think Aslam can get back, though, because he's only 29. Adesanya just left the division. Hold on. Easy on the age talk, because you and I have had this conversation a thousand times, right? Like, I don't care about your number for age. How many yeah, punches yeah. to the head yeah, have Holloway, you taken? Yeah, yeah. Max yeah. Holloway. Yeah, mileage. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you. Um, but, yeah, here's the deal. The guy that he went to war with lost, and we've pretty much agreed that he won't get through Adesanya, has moved up a class. Now, I, I don't think Adesanya is going to stay gone forever, but in the meantime, guys like Costa, Whitaker, and I guess Gaslam are going to figure it out. Darren Till's still in there. And see, Darren Till has a win over Gaslam. So what do you what do you do with Darren Till, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it creates problems. Um, I think uh, he's got a fight coming up, or didn't he just fight? Uh, so yeah, Till lost to Whitaker and he tore his ACL. So yeah, he's still rehabbing his knee thing. So but, I mean, he he gets arrested like weekly over in England. It's, so we've got uh, Adesanya with versus Blachowicz, is it? I yeah, Blachowicz. Um, yeah. I'll tell you, man, is he better be careful? You know, he could stand there and trade with Gaslam and and cost and take those punches, but. If Blahovich connects, Blahovich uh, will knock him the fuck out. Yeah. Oh my god, man! Blahovich is a strong, strong motherfucker. The man. the problem is Blahovich knows that, and Adesanya in all of his fights wants to counterpunch. Right? Adesanya yep. versus Romero was just him hoping Romero would throw shit out. Yep. yep. Um. And then to a lesser extent with Costa, right? I mean, Costa went in there and made a fool of himself almost just as much as Romero. Yeah. So. Um, I, I, I guess my thinking about this like number one the pay-per-view kind of... the pay-per-view we have coming in three weeks is oh, maybe the best yeah. one we've seen Stack. in a year like it's out of control you got Nunez you got three title fights yeah. th- you got three Jan title Sterling. fights Sterling is, is a strong strong dude but like Lahovitz versus Adesanya like I'll tell you what I, I actually question um some of the matchmaking because i think if you headline the show tonight with blahovitz versus adesanya because like let's let's be real honest here tonight's show sucked like that was a bad card i i i for a pay-per-view it felt like a a fight night tonight it felt like a i if I wasn't looking at the clock, I would have sworn it was a fight night tonight. I, dude, as a guy who paid $65 for it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, mean, I, and I, there's, I, there's a been, reason these, there's a reason these sites exist. Is it, it's this, true. Yeah. No, I, listen, I have been the guy going to church saying, you can't waste money on a UFC because you always get your money's worth on those five rounds or, or on those five fights. That wasn't true tonight. Like, that was a waste of money on my part tonight. But better than watching anything else, right? I mean, you know, 
like I watched a few good men the other night for the first time in a while. First of all, what a movie. Great movie. Uh, I'd rather forgotten. I'd rather watch a few good men than that yeah, interview no. for sure. Well, exactly. In fact, I was going to leave that till uh, my final take for a shout out to Aaron Sorkin for that masterpiece, but um But yeah, I mean, I the thing is is like you know, I got off work late. I came home. I wasn't going to watch anything else. Like the Leafs Canadians game was just ending, but honestly, even though I grew up as hockey is my main sport and into a Leafs family, I'd still watch the UFC over that game right now. I had a parlay that, that a involved Leafs the Leafs, Usman, and something else, and the Leafs yeah, no, for sure. for me. The, yeah, the Nets got the... Um, I did I mean, have I mean, another one with the Nets, yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That makes me a shitty Maple Leafs fan, but at least I'm not going to lie to you, right? Like, I'm going to admit it. I'm going to be honest with you. That's how much I love the UFC right now, you know? For me right now, it's NFL, UFC, 1-2, easy. UFC easy, is easy. a better product than watching game number Regular, 30 exactly, of the NHL. Exactly. Yeah, even in a, a condensed nothing. COVID schedule, exactly. It means nothing. Yeah, and I mean, can you imagine if it was a regular season, 1 of 82? Like, oh my God. Yeah. I will say that the North Division is, I think, working out pretty good for the NHL. I, I think it's pretty cool how much Toronto Montreal get to play now. And how much uh, Canadian rivalries. Uh, but so it's, least, it's part cool. of the beauty of the NFL. Like, part of the reason that you and I like the NFL. I, I don't want to speak for you. Part of the reason that I like the NFL so much is that there's 16 games. Yeah, exactly. And you've got 16 games to work yourself into the playoffs. And so if you lose. Every moment matters. It, yeah, if you lose, it fucking matters. If you're. On you get paper, loose. the best team in the league, yeah. but you lose to the Bengals. It matters. Yeah. You might lose home field. You might not make it, you know, into the playoffs anymore. People so lose jobs. People lose jobs. Yeah. Um, you don't see that in the like. You know, like the Leafs lost to the fucking uh, Canadians tonight. Yeah. On paper, the Leafs Montreal's are a much a better team. team. Well, I think on paper the Leafs are much. better. Oh, they team. are more talented, but um. I I wasn't a fan at the time of them turning away Max Domi, but Josh Anderson has been lightning in a bottle for them. Exactly what they needed. You guys start and, wondering and, if Max Domi's a problem too, right? Well, went, I mean, went geez, from Arizona to Montreal, yeah, and now yeah, you know. I so. I thought he was going to be in Montreal for a while. Didn't pan out. Didn't turn out. So um, it like and and I I just want to finish up with Tyler Toffoli. I mean. Uh, he's not going to stay this hot forever, but boy, took a real stupid penalty in the second period. But yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah, I yeah. didn't, like I said, I didn't watch the game, but he's been, Montreal's been off to a good start. Yeah, I, the Domi thing's interesting to me, right? Because it's like, I yeah. listen, I say this as a guy who, um, like, whatever, I'll own my shame. Uh, I was poor enough growing up that my my mother was able to buy me a Leafs jersey, but she couldn't pay for the, the name. She could just get a number. And so I had a Leafs jersey with a 28 on the back of it because I was a Domi fan. Um, so I like I don't <sighs> say this as like shame at the Domi family or whatever, but I would think if you grow up with the prestige and money that comes from being the son of a Toronto Maple Leaf, um there might be some entitlement that comes along with that. And the fact that you were on your third team now in your fifth year, 
makes me wonder if you could be a bit of a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in Montreal, it was I, I, either one. It was kind of like the same thing with Galchenyuk. You know, they didn't know if he was a center or a wing. Right. Whenever the team wanted him to play one, he wanted to play the other type thing. So Columbus has got him in the middle. But then again, it's Tortorella. I mean, uh, they just yeah, brought in Patrick. Thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they just brought in Patrick Laine, and two games in, Tortorella's already given him the Pierre-Luc Dubois treatment by benching him. Now yeah. it sounds like Laine had t- basically told off an assistant coach, and Torta felt like uh, he needed to draw a line in the sand, but. I don't know. I mean, if if you're Line Mastodoni, A might be an issue, right? Because like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. There's that too. I but say it, this is a guy with Mastodoni. him on a on a dynasty team, but like yeah. it, he yeah. might be an issue. No, absolutely, absolutely. I'm a big Pierre Luc Dubois fan, so I like that trade for Winnipeg. I think Dubois is going to do good things on that second line, center position, and on the second uh, power play unit. But just quickly in Columbus, if you're Max Doby, and you're on your third team, and like you said, what four years, five years. And you need a big season. Uh, it kind of sucks when you end up with Tortorella, right? I mean, maybe he's the guy you want on your second chance, not necessarily your third or fourth chance. Right. But then again, you know, some guys work out well with them, right? So you never know. Columbus has got some talent, but I, I don't, I'm not sure they're really going to do much this year. Meanwhile, my my opinion on Winnipeg is very strong and out front on this show. Uh, Paul Maurice better hope he gets that team into the playoffs, and he better hope they win a series. I mean, surprising I, that he's made it this far at this point. Yeah, I am too. I am too. I, I was calling for his job this time last year. I really was. You were. You um, definitely were. Yeah. I'm a fan, but, I mean, something's got to give him Winnipeg. I've never seen so much talent. Have you seen... Uh, Eller's numbers start the season. Kyle Connor's a stud. Shifley, oh my god, they got a Vesna in net, the reigning Vesna winner. Hellebuck, I know they're not that great on D anymore, but man, he better hope they win some hockey games. I guess right. he also, <laughs> just, just to finish up, I think he also benefits from that small market too, right. Like, if that was Montreal, that act wouldn't have gone this long. Uh, yeah, but, it, I mean, they didn't even fly in fucking Winnipeg, right? They had to move them out of there. So, I I just don't know that that act flies, period. All right. We have not spoken about the Super Bowl. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I might as well eat some crow, uh, but... You can get something off your chest for. No, I mean, I, I mean, I have similar crody. Like, yeah, yeah it I mean, is I was wrong. Hats off to Tom Brady. Uh, that's what I said on the show that I thought the pass rushes for Tampa were going to play well, and I was concerned about the the Chiefs' O line injuries. Uh, that's something I always talk about, and I should have put more onus on that, and I should have known that Jesus, that's the recipe for Kansas City to lose this game, and and it certainly was. Yeah, I would like to see them play that game again without. Patrick Mahomes having pending already predetermined surgery scheduled. I mean, uh, I think but dude, this, cool. the surgery aside, um, you know, we talked on this show. I made what might be the dumbest comment I've ever made on this show of like, 
eh, there's been injury concerns going into a lot of Super Bowls, but this one is a delight because there hasn't been that much, except I didn't talk about the fact that there's injuries on the left tackle and right tackle of the Kansas City offensive line, and, you know, I sent you a screenshot of what the dropbacks looked like for Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady, and... Uh, you know, I might post it as the picture associated with this thing. Tom yeah. Brady did three or five step drops the whole game, and Patrick Mahomes ran more as a quarterback than any quarterback has ever run in the NFL yeah. football game, scrambling in the backfield. It was like, what, 500 yards beyond the line of scrimmage? It was an obscene number, yeah. yeah. And on one foot, right? So, I mean... You know, talk about a, a a good game script for Tampa, right? Factor in a couple defensive plays. I, you know, I've been talking about Devin White all year. As soon as we got off the air last week, I was like, you know what? I didn't talk about Devin White enough tonight. So I was really happy to see him get that late pick in the end zone. I wouldn't have disagreed if they had actually given him or Shaq Barrett Super Bowl MVP. Uh, I wouldn't have been sour about. Well, that, listen, but... we 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 talked about this last week, and and I said. If you think Tampa Bay is going to win this game, you bet Tom Brady is MVP instead of betting yeah. the money line because anything even a little close, they give it to Tom Brady, and it fell in that. Listen, Leonard Fournette yeah. should have been the MVP of that. Yeah. I think this is two years in a row where the running backs got, got screwed, fucking yeah. screwed on yeah. the winning team. Yeah. yeah. Um. Sure. And, and and Tom Brady's the goat. Like, let's be real yeah. straight up about that. Here's the thing I want to talk about. It's not a popular thing to talk about, but I'm going to do it. Um, I Listen, I'm not saying the game's rigged. I don't think the game's rigged. But the officiating was awfully yeah. one-sided in that game. Yeah, there was some bad flags. And they seem to really only go in one direction. Yep. Um... I, I don't, I don't think that's a thing that generally happens for Tom Brady. Like, there's folks that are like, "Oh yeah, the Patriots." Like, yeah. listen, the Tuck Rule game, that you know, that Raiders, uh, Patriots game back in what would it be, two thousand one or nineteen ninety nine or something. Um, that was the right call at the time, like. Based on the way the rule existed at yeah. the time, that was the right call. Now, yeah. should it have been the right call? That's a fair argument. And the that fair argument falls into also things like Heath Miller extending the ball, you know, uh, three or four years ago yeah. for, or pardon me, Jesse James extending the ball uh, for the Steelers a few years ago. But in this game, like, dude, I, you know, I talked about it with you, like, this Tampa Bay defense, their strategy appeared to be you can't throw a flag on every fucking play, so we're just going to be hella physical the whole goddamn time. And the officials appeared to decide we can throw a, play, a flag on every play, but only if the Kansas City Chiefs are the ones to blame for it. Um. There were some that were reasonable. There, there were some that were entirely unreasonable. E- even that offside call, like, how many times in the regular season do you see that called 
where somebody on the end of the line has their head a little forward on the line, but it doesn't interrupt the kick. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you'll even find like if the guy's lined up offside and he's been like sedentary lined up offside for you know like five seconds, the ref will even alert him. Yeah, they'll be like, hey, say, hey, hey man, yeah. like you're Move over. lined yeah. up offside here, man. Yeah. Um. Now D Ford never got the benefit of that doubt. That's Ironic true. that that was against Tom Brady. That was Mahomes versus Brady. Um, Baby, we don't and, you, and you can argue if D Ford had gotten that right, the uh, Mahomes would have had two rings going into that game. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's a tough call. I I just thought you know I was hoping the there was going to be a league memo that told them to swallow their whistles, but that certainly wasn't the case early. I thought later, I mean once the game was out of play, I guess. They just let them play, but and so, how many years we've had the refs swallow their whistles? Five, ten years in a row now, and then all of a sudden, they're out here calling every fucking penalty anywhere close to, you know. So, I don't want to take away. Like, listen, Tampa Bay won by fucking twenty. Right, like this is here. You know what, Kansas City? More than if you wanted to bitch about officiating, your best bet was Tyreek Hill catching the passes that bounced off his face mask. Yeah, you know, if you want to bitch about officiating, it'd be better if it was a three-point game where your skill players were catching balls that literally bounce off their helmet. Um. And since that didn't happen, we say, okay, of course, Tampa Bay should have won this game. But momentum's a thing. And we talked about this in that, uh, you know, that San Francisco New Orleans game earlier in the year where, you know, San Francisco is winning that game. And then all of a sudden they get flagged 15 yards for sacking Breeze and, and they come back and, and win by a bunch. But it's like, hey, if that didn't happen, San Francisco was up. 14 and they probably roll the game i felt like this super bowl was very similar in that way uh what do you think sorry i was trying to uh follow what dana white was saying live in the post-fight presser uh can you ask that question again just that what what did you think about the outcome of this game versus um the the theories based on penalties yeah, I, I mean, I I don't know. I some of that can get pretty conspiracy conspiratorial. Uh, like you originally said on this topic, I thought it was incredibly one sided. I thought the Chiefs drew way too much of the heat, um, but it was also an undisciplined undisciplined uh, showing by Andy Reid's team. Some people were theorizing, whether correctly or incorrectly, that uh, the car crash involving Andy's son had led to some uh, unneeded distractions for the Chiefs this week. I, I hope that wasn't the case, but something that probably deserves to be mentioned. Hard to say. There's no way we'll ever know. Does this tarnish the Andy Reid legacy? Sorry, I was taking a drink there. No, not not whatsoever. Because they're not done. Uh, Reed and Mahomes are not done winning rings together. 
What if that's the only ring they ever get? No, that's fine. Uh, I, I, I mean, you know, they're not going to... Like, the narrative that Mahomes was going to catch Brady, um, that became pretty difficult after last Sunday's game, right? Yeah, that's over. Yeah. So that's, yeah, like, Brady's not going to get caught by anybody at this point in our lifetime. So, uh, you know. I'll tell you what, I'm okay with it. I don't like him as a dude, but, like, he is the greatest of all time. I am fine with there being a quarterback who has more rings than any organization. Yeah. I mean, that's that's quite a stat. Quite a stat. Um, Yeah, right? I mean, that was, what, Super Bowl 55? What was the one that just, it was 54, 55, was it? Anyway. The one we just watched? Is yeah. It, yeah, it's around there. It's like 55-ish. Yeah, I, which is crazy. I can't believe it's already been five years since Super Bowl 50, first of all. Um, and second of all, they've only handed out just over 50 of these things, right? Like, it's not like we're talking baseball. 55. Yeah, it's not like we're talking baseball, hockey, or basketball here as far as, you know, 150-year-old, 200-year-old sports. The fact that they've only handed out 55 of these and Tom Brady has how many now? Seven? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty nuts. Yeah. Pretty nuts in the time frame that he does. And I guess really my biggest happiness, I guess I would say, to related to this whole thing is – um. The Bill Belichick angle. Uh, you have to wonder how sour things were at the Belichick residence uh, the night of and the morning following. I think when half your defense goes out with COVID and you basically had no quarterback the whole year, you kind of don't care. Yeah, but I mean, the reason they have no quarterback is because they th- – felt the need to move on from the guy that just won the Super Bowl. Well, they felt the need to not pay him what he was getting paid, I would say. Um, and maybe Tom was tired of Bill, too. That's I, I, I think that's got to be part of it. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's 100% why he left. But I think with, you know, with that New England team having – all of those defensive – I'm assuming those defensive starters are back now. I don't think the league and the players' association are going to come to the same kind of agreement where you can have, you know, half a fucking roster just not show up because of COVID. Like, there's going to be enough vaccines and shit. Yeah, listen, yeah. the league put out a directive being like, hey, we're not going to hop the line for vaccines. You bet your ass every NFL player is going to be vaccinated before September. Like yeah, that, I mean, you know, yeah, that's going to be part of what happens. Yeah. There's a reason Roger Goodell wrote that letter to uh, President Biden saying, you know, have all the NFL stadiums are welcome to be yeah. injection sites, right? Like, I'm sure that wasn't out of the goodwill of his I heart. think they would have written it either way, but yeah. I, I, well, I, yeah, but I mean, it was conveniently leaked to the media and, you know. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like, he couldn't have just done it and not told anybody. Right. Like everybody had to, yeah. Anyway. There was no way that was going to be a quiet, a, a, a quiet thing that they did. Um, but honestly, like, okay, they were missing an over the hill Pat Chung and an over the hill Dante Hightower. Like any Patriots fan or any NFL observer 
that thinks getting two players that have a lot of mileage and are past their prime back. I mean, yeah, Pat Chung's a leader in that defensive secondary. I, I think okay. ex- I, I think experience in a Belichick defense yeah, is, I guess, pretty I worth. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not expecting the Patriots. So we'll see what they do in the draft. We'll see what they do in free agency. It depends. I'm, I'm not Listen, if the Patriots end up with Deshaun Watson, they're favorites, right? That's the first I've heard of that. No, no, I've, I, I'm just throwing that out there. Like I, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I. Stranger things have happened, but I, I, I'm not sure I see that one happening. But we're living in a world. Sounding right now, now like the Broncos might be the favorite. Okay, okay, but we're living in a world right now where we've got Deshaun Watson. Carson Wentz and potentially Russell Wilson as a I'm not dude I'm not like totally on the train on any of those frankly I I think there's at least a 25 to 35 percent chance that all three of those quarterbacks are still the starters on the teams that they're on right now next year um I don't think we should be absolutely shocked if that's how things play out. But I'll tell you this, this Russell Wilson situation is escalating quickly. It went from there are reports that Russell's unhappy to quotes from Russ saying, I don't like getting hit as much as I am. Yeah. He he has a point. I didn't realize how high up on that list he was. He, He has taken some hits. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, but, I mean, there's other ways to go about it. Like, you could just text Pete or your GM and say, hey, maybe we should draft an O-line in this year in the first round. Yeah, like, but I'm they, just might, not they sure just that... might not be listening to that. They don't Yeah, fucking... they must not be because I'm not sure what favors. Because, honestly, like, he ends every interview he does with Go, go Hawks. Hawks. Like, yeah, yeah, the guy loves Seattle. He loves playing with the Seahawks. I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. So it sounds like, yeah, you're right. He must feel like he was backed into a corner, and this was, this was uh, his last resort, his last option. He felt forced. And if you're on the Seahawks and you're seeing Deshaun Watson, you know, more or less work his way out of a situation, um, and you see that that's a thing you could just do, you're like, oh shit. I'd- I never even thought about the fact that I could just like become a problem child and therefore move to a better situation. You gotta wonder. Listen, I also read a story in the last 24 hours that James Harden apologized for his behavior. Um, But, you know, part of that interview was also him saying like, you know, credit to the Houston organization because they didn't need to, they didn't have to trade me to, to a place like this, it's like no. Well, they had they they yeah. had to they had to you had trade them, you to to you a contender. A yeah, because you had made it clear if you yeah. weren't on a contender, you were going to behave like a petulant child. So, the Houston Rockets and James Harden went to go rob a bank together, and James Harden turned the gun on Houston. Yeah, it was a bad go. Um, so I don't, I don't have a lot of time for James Harden. I don't think no. that's new information on this show. No. I, I like I'm so soured on the NBA, man. Like if you would have caught me in like 2012, 2013, if we were doing this podcast, I would have came on here, man. I, that's all I would have wanted to talk about was fancy basketball, fancy hoops, man. 
But and honestly, I hate to say it, a lot of it has to do with LeBron. The way LeBron turned this league into the biggest bunch of melodrama, entitled superstars that as soon as they want out of town, they just flip a switch, make demands. They've and got all you the end leverage. up with all these teams that like they dude, the Clippers for Kawhi. Listen, Kawhi brought yeah, Toronto well a championship. Year, huh? I well, and I'll tell you what, Kawhi was on a two-year deal. Like this is the part no one wants to talk about. If they don't win a ring this year, Kawhi could just walk. Kawhi could be like, "Hey, thanks for giving up seven first-round picks for me." Yeah, fine. Uh, Hall of Fame coach. Uh, yeah, I'm on my way. Peace to the Pacers, or you know who who the yeah. fuck knows. Now, Pacers drafted him. That'd be a good story. <laughs> that's true. We we assume that he's going to stay in L.A. because he's got you know family that's under criminal prosecution there. Oh really? Uh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. I know he. I know he's from L.A. and he played at San Diego State. I didn't know no, he had no. uh, any his of that. Sister, going on. his sister is up for a murder charge or something. It's really? Like, it's not wow. great. Yeah. No. Yikes. It's it's not it's not good. It's not good. Javaris Quintington stuff. I say this as a guy. Like my my current claim to fame is that the game that I um, paid too much money to be in the like in the action seats at the Jays where you're like right behind home plate in those first two rows where you're on TV. Yep. Um, that was when he was looking at schools, wasn't it? That well, Kawhi. It it was after he won a ring, and yep. so he he came strolling down. Into the and I thought it was weird. Every time I went into the aisle before he showed up, people were really like, "Can I see your ticket?" And the, they like checked my ticket like three times trying to get to my seat. And I was like, yeah. "All right, whatever, like, cool." Like, I guess it's this hard to get down into these seats. Um, you hear a tall black guy's coming to the. But game. it, but it turned out it. One of the ushers said to me like, "No, like, because Kawhi was here, we had to." really like up the security level and like everybody that was around and make sure that nobody was down there that shouldn't have been. Uh, oh, really? Is that stadium policy? No, that was Kawhi's demand. That, well, who No, <laughs> I think I, I think that's probably a standard thing. Yeah, I agree. I'm yeah. Just, yeah. You know, if the they had Robert of... Downey Jr. or something, it's probably the same kind of deal, you know? Uh, but that's how uh, big Kawhi was at the time, right? Like he was the fucking dude. But there, there's a world where like he just doesn't wear win a ring with the fucking Clippers this year. He's like, eh, Clippers I'm, aren't, yeah. Well, yeah, he's like, I actually don't know that this team is that good. And he's just like, all right, uh, what's going go on in Miami? Lakers. Yeah, what's what's happening in the? Uh, so the question is, how much does he really want to be in LA? Um. Toronto people think there's a possibility he comes back here. I don't think there is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, right. hey, he won a ring here. Yeah, I get it. Like I'm not I, I I don't think didn't, it's I don't think it's burst out laughing. It. I don't think it's burst out laughing <laughs> Come obscene. On, he won I've a never ring laughed here. like I've never laughed like that on this podcast. Yeah, it's true, Dude. you haven't. Won a ring, chose not to defend it, and he comes back. Yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe in in the style that we just saw James Paxton go back to Seattle with his tail between his legs and Jake Arrieta go back to the north side of Chicago, I maybe don't... at the end of his career when he's got no other options. Okay, let's, yeah, let's but go. Not, not... 
Not next year. <laughs> Let's go there for a bit. Like, why wouldn't the Jays give Paxton more money than what he got from Seattle? I, I can't answer your question. Why um, this current front office of the Blue Jays uh, can't look in the mirror and at the right angle over their shoulders see the pink elephant in the corner of the room that is uh their the pitching state. staff that doesn't exactly. exist yeah. exactly like what why wasn't now they were in on bauer supposedly were you though, though yeah well that's just i mean we're told right i mean I, the guy the end... signed with the dodgers was signing met hats and yeah, we're yeah, gonna exactly. act like the jays were in on them no exactly right so i mean why the pitching should have been number one priority um there's guys they could have brought in. The Yankees brought in Kluber on a flyer. They could have got Kluber. By the way, I think that's a great deal for the Yankees. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm quite on that. Yeah, yep. I'm quite on that. Uh, he, he replaces Tanaka, and honestly, good riddance. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka was a free agent bust. For the money they gave him with the expectations they had, it's honestly no wonder his UCL didn't blow out because it was frayed the whole time. Did Tanaka get a ring in his run? I don't believe so, no. Yeah. He wasn't on the... Uh, Oh yeah, with no, no, no. I don't believe. Yeah, I think if you didn't get a ring on the Yankees when they've had, you know, decade two decades of versions of success, yeah, it's no good. Hey, we haven't talked about this because we've, you know, football. But like, I and I don't know that we've actually ever talked about this. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, should they be in the Hall of Fame? Dear God, Tanaka's two years younger than me. That's crazy. Yeah, don't try not to think about that. It's no good. Man, he looks old. Um, well, sorry, what was your question? Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, should they be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, without a doubt. Oh, wow. um, I strongly disagree with you on that. Okay. Th- there should be a wing. There should be a wing that says these guys, you know, my... I mean, there's different levels of it, right? Like Barry Bonds, clearly. Uh, Palmero perjured himself, and he wasn't even really a Hall of Fame player. The thing with Barry Bonds is he was he was a Hall of Fame player before he put a needle on himself. Um, so that's why I think, like, it, it's problematic, problematic to have a Hall of Fame when you don't have arguably the best pitcher in Clemens and you don't have the best hitter in Pete Rose and you don't have the best power hitter in Bonds in. I mean, you see where I'm going here? Uh Okay. Now I know. Hold steroids, on. Let me let me let like me stop you. was a thing. Steroids no, was a thing. No, no. Hold on. I'm going in a different direction. I I wonder, and and I'm curious what you think about this. I wonder how strong the argument to keep Clemens and Bonds out, and uh, to a much lesser extent Pennant. I because I think Pettit should be in there. Honestly, if you're if like if you're letting the other the two only guys, honest one. yeah, if you're letting the other two guys in, put Pettit in. Yeah, um, but let's get things something straight. Pettit wasn't the pitcher Roger Clemens was. No, no. Like, like if we can both agree that they did steroids, even one a minute, one didn't. Clemens was the much better pitcher. Yeah, but Pettit was not so much worse that, yeah. you know, he, like he, he would have yeah. still been a Hall of Fame pitcher. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If, if we ignored those things. I, no, I, but my, but sorry, but the the point I was trying to get to is, if we weren't keeping out Pete Rose for his gambling indiscre- indiscretions, if we didn't have an example 
of another person who behaved badly and was not allowed in the Hall of Fame, would we still hold back these guys? Or does Pete Rose, as being this shining example of a guy that we don't let in, make it acceptable to say Clemens doesn't get in, Bonds doesn't get in, that by having Pete Rose out there as one of the greatest baseball players to ever live, not be in the Hall of Fame, it creates a precedent for voters and others to say that you can be one of the greatest but not get into the Hall of Fame for whatever reason. Or do you think they're not connected at all? I just... I have to stand with what I said earlier. You know, I, I say you put them in and it's a separate wing, whether it's an asterisk, whether you call it the, the literal steroid wing, whatever you, have, whatever you have to do. But I think they got to go in. And honestly, the one that really got me this cycle was Kurt Schilling. I don't know what Kurt Schilling has to do to get in. Like, I understand that he's not a great human being. Well, that's the problem. There's baseball. a character clause. The character like, clause is why Kurt Schilling's not it. The thing is, though, is like, it's never him breaking the law and ended up in handcuffs. It's just have him having different political beliefs than other people. So I just don't know. Like the guy was a Hall of Fame pitcher, man. Like when he was with the Phillies, when he was with the Diamondbacks, he won a ring with the Diamondbacks, won a ring, broke the curse with the, the Red Sox, the bloody well, sock. The, thing. You, the bloody yeah. sock is in the Hall of Fame for Vox. Yeah, like, that's the thing, right? Like you broke the curse with the Red Sox and you had this seminal game in that process with the bloody sock game. Um, do we decide uh, that you like conservative people is more important than that? As far as you're getting into the hall of fame, that's a tough sell. That's a real tough sell. No, I'll tell you what. I, 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 there, I have a bit of fuck Kurt Schilling where he's like, I don't want to be on the ballot anymore. I don't respect the opinion of the baseball writers. I only want to be voted on by my peers. I, I'm I, like, yeah, I have a little about, bit of go fuck yourself yeah. from that, right? Talk about going down with the ship. Yeah. Um. I didn't think there was a need for that, but I, you know, I think you should get in. I. But no, I like listen. And here's the thing. I think Kurt Schilling is the best argument against the character clause because Kurt Schilling has a lot of beliefs that I disagree with, like a fucking lot yeah. of beliefs he's, that I disagree with. But he's not a criminal like Rose. Well, and he's he didn't cheat at the game. Yeah. You know, like, I think it's a whole other fucking territory to be saying we can't let Kurt Schilling in because he's a conservative and he said that Barack Obama was a monkey. Yeah. Whatever happened to free speech, right? I I, I don't know that he said that specifically, but like, I think that's a lot different than Barry Bonds broke the home run record while injecting himself with performance enhancing drugs. That's from Victor Conte at Balcom. Yeah. So if you want to keep, if you want to keep, 
Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens out because you believe that they used drugs and enhanced their performance in a way that makes their numbers not not a thing you can trust, right? You can't trust what you're seeing out of these guys. That's fine. Like I I actually I respect that opinion to a certain extent. I agree with it. But on on the Kurt Schilling angle, it's like, yeah, the guy's a fucking asshole. I don't like Kurt Schilling as a human being at all. Like not even a little bit. But Winning the championship with the Diamondbacks. Having the bloody sock game with the Red Sox. You're in. You are a part of baseball history. That That is as... You got multiple rings. You have some of the greatest performances in the postseason. I'll tell you what. If Schilling isn't in, then Bub Gardner is not in. That's like... Really, if we're going to have this conversation, then it's like, okay, so Bub Gardner doesn't go in then. Which is insane to me because Bumgarner pitched three games in a World Series that will like we will never see that again. I, like I don't, I don't mean to have a weird Bumgarner conversation out of nowhere, but like, oh, guy in his prime was a horse. It was what he did. Th- that guy single handedly won his team a World Series as a pitcher. As a yeah. pitcher. Also, I think. A good example, because I thought he was going to pitch better in Arizona last year. Um, his first year out of San Francisco. I think also, much like Matt Cain and Tim Lincecum, another example of the Giants using way too many bullets out of a guy way too soon early in his career, right? Because you look at Lincecum, you look at Kane, they aged well before their same age peers in kind of like a Max Holloway mileage to tie it back to the... Uh, when I said Gaslin was only 29. So you see that in MLB for sure, right? There's different 30s for pitchers. I, I agree with that 100%, and I see nothing wrong with it. Well, no, it's the it's the you, Mike Shanahan, Denver Broncos running back approach. Get your fucking bring rings, them, dude. Bring them in for undrafted, crank them, or Belichick you know, made a living out of it in New England, right? Yeah. Bring like, them in for, for cheap. Uh, crank them out a couple thousand yards at a time, wear them out, spit them out, don't pay them. Bumgarner got two rings. They ran him into the ground, and I don't care. He got two rings, and he had one of the greatest World Series performances we will ever see. I I think there's a world where you and I both die, and we never see something like what Madison Bumgarner did that year. Because they're not... They just don't use pitchers the same way. You're not going to see a pitcher do game one, game four, and then come out of the bullpen in game seven to close um, and give up no runs. Like, that's just, that's not going to be a part of our lives. That's not how they, they do this anymore. So it's like, yeah, he's 32 and he can't pitch anymore. I don't fucking care. He got two rings, was the World Series MVP. That is as good as it gets. And and just to tie it all back in, it's like on the shilling front, that guy, dude, he was on that Phillies team that lost to the Jays. Yep. He uh, won with the Diamondbacks, and he yep. bloody socked his way through that Red Sox series. Yep. That guy belongs in the Hall of Fame. That is a part of baseball history. Um, yep. And he is also a shitty human being. 
I think that is different than Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens using steroids to be better at the game. I understand wanting to keep someone out of the Hall of Fame if you think their success came from cheating, right? Like you use performance-enhancing drugs to give you that success. I, I get that. But if your argument is, yeah, but he was a bad guy, I don't care. I don't care. Ty Cobb is in there. Ty Cobb was the baddest of bad guys. Killed a man. Yeah. Like, you straight up killed a man. Manslaughter, flat out. Yeah. Different times, obviously. Um, but yeah. yeah. As we look back in history, um, a man died at the hands of one Ty Cobb. Flat out. Uh, all right, we got 15 minutes. Anything you and, want to talk and just about? To, just to finish up quick, like I'm not putting all these guys in. I don't put McGuire in. The reason I put Clemens and uh, Bonds in is because I think they're Hall of Fame players before they used it, whereas McGuire wasn't. Uh, McGuire, it took every last granule of steroids for McGuire to have that um, 1998 season. So I wouldn't put McGuire in, but you, I would put Clemens and Bonds. You can understand why that's hard to parse out for people though, right? Like yeah. if you have to decide, okay, but without steroids would this person get in, that's a real tough go. Yep, because we don't know when they started using, but we do right. have the eye test. We do have the eye test. And if you want to at home Google right now Barry Bonds, Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, and then Google Barry Bonds, San Francisco Giants, you're going to see uh, what I'm referring to as the eye test. And uh, now it was to a lesser extent with Clemens, but you can still see the bulges. And before both their bodies exploded like that, they had Hall of Fame resumes. That's just the way the cookie crumbles for me. Yeah. But again, no. again, again, it's it's a brand new wing. You can call it literally the steroid wing. You can call it the asterisk wing. You can call it the offender's wing, whatever you want to call it. I, I just think, you know, if you're going to have a Hall of Fame, you got to have the best players. Um, part of what I what I think about is what's going to happen with Alex Rodriguez in the Hall of Fame. Well, talk about a, a complete... I mean, he's Mr. Everybody now, right? With exactly. With his work on TV, with his, you know, his attempt at owning the Mets, his whole J-Lo... You know, they're still trying to get a ball team, even though it's not going to be the Mets anymore. Uh, so I think he gets in just because he's completely, he's, he's Mr. Well, that's Smooth. the thing. If you let, if you let Rodriguez in, who was legitimately busted, right? He was caught. Like he, he, oh he was suspended. Out of and, year. Yeah. Out of year, yeah. So if you let him in, what's the argument for keeping the other guys out? Well, that's that. You know, that might be the twig that snaps, and then the tree comes down. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because uh, Rodriguez is ineligible till twenty twenty two. Exactly. Some of these guys could be falling off the ballot, and so all these guys will fall off the ballot. So, like, what happens if you put Rodriguez on the ballot? He gets in. Like, he's for sure not going to be first ballot. Like, I maybe I'm out on a limb there, but like, I, I don't think he'll be first ballot. But let's say he goes in 2025, right? They make him sit a couple years as penance or whatever. 
but you know the guy's the fucking all-time home run leader right now isn't he like um is there a world where he gets in from the new age voters and then these like veteran voters say okay well if he's in then we can let in clemens and bonds and you know, we end up laying all these guys in, and, and to what extent does any of this really matter? So I was just looking it up quick. A-Rod, in fact, didn't pass um, Ruth, Aaron, and Bonds. So A-Rod, A-Rod finished it fourth, oh, six ninety six. I thought he caught up. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought I, like, yeah, I, I thought... We what lived were in a we universe celebrating because where... he did, he did something towards the end of his career that we were all like, uh, yeah, A-Rod, no, I know yeah, there yeah. there was something big, but yeah, no, he never he never made it to Roos uh, seven fourteen. I remember the dark days, boy, were they mad when Bonds passed Ruth and Aaron, man, <laughs> some of the old guys, holy cow, and R.I.P. Henry Aaron, uh, just recently passed away. All right, we got um, we got twelve minutes here. Uh, Donald Trump has been found not guilty of impe- impeachment for the second time. Uh, this vote came with seven Republicans voting to convict, which is seven more than anyone of their own party has ever voted to convict. Uh, in an impeachment trial. Any thoughts? Uh, I mean, I think Bill Maher said it well, uh, I believe it was last night, uh, when he said that the basis of the second impeachment should have been the phone call with, what, the Georgia uh, lieutenant governor? Like, that phone call. Like, that was the dirtiest phone call in maybe the history of politics outside of Richard Nixon, right? I mean, why they didn't just play that clip and then say, we rest our case. Um, instead, they chose to go with the angle that, you know, he was on air inciting all of this. The more we are removed from what happened that day in D.C., it's sounding to me like they had help, that the doors were unlocked, left ajar, and they were let in. And it sounds like there were guys with comms, with earpieces talking to each other. So it doesn't sound like it wasn't, you know, it was initially reported that it was, a, you know, this big uprising and breaking. But, yeah, it sounded like uh, they had inside help and that maybe, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod, doors unlocked, etc. But yeah, as far as like the impeachment, like I mean, the guy's out of office. It's it's mainly ceremonial at this point. It felt, I don't know, it's hard, right? Because on the one hand, I would say this felt, and like almost inarguably was a political. Uh, acquittal right that like this guy was dead to rights that any reasonable person viewing the evidence in this scenario 
would say, yeah, he was guilty. Of course he was guilty. Um, the part that a lot of folks don't want to talk about is that impeachments became political, or may, maybe always were, but listen, Bill Clinton lied to a prosecutor. And he got impeached for it. And the Democratic senators decided that wasn't worthy of impeachment. Bill, Put another way, Bill Clinton committed a federal crime of perjury, was impeached for it, and Democratic senators decided telling the truth to a federal prosecutor was not enough to warrant impeachment. So we're 20 years later and Democrats are shouting, how could you possibly view such an obvious subversion of our democracy and norms and vote to acquit. And they point to Mitch McConnell, you know, voting to convict Clinton, uh, but exonerate Trump. And I say, like, guys, you you actually set the bar, right? Like that. Like as much as Democrats and and leftists in general want to be angry about this stuff, you set the bar twenty years ago, where you said you can lie to a federal prosecutor. For no reason better than saving your own embarrassment. Now, is there a conversation to be had about... Is that... You know, how much worse is it to try to fucking ferment an insurrection instead of lying about a blowjob? Yeah, the first one's worse. A lot worse. But what we established as precedent in 1998, 97, 99, who knows, um, was that the politics will override the facts. And once we established that, this was bound to happen. This was bound to happen. Lewinsky was 96. 96. What but was the was the impeachment 96? No, it, it probably would have been probably 97. Yeah, like she 97 was, she worked, 98. Yeah, yeah. She was a White House intern 95 to 96. Yeah. So I'm assuming the blowjob was probably Yeah, hey, you would think. The other thing too is like to to use that singular I think is naive too, right? Like a it's probably plural. Right. Blow, right. Blowjob. Well, the blowjobs uh, or cigars uh, um, 
and I, this is just kind of my hobby horse recently, right? Is that like people are so outraged that a group could act in a strictly political manner and not pay attention to the facts. Dude, it happened in the 90s and it happened on our team. Bill Clinton should have been convicted and removed from office because he lied under oath. And if you're the good guys, you say you you put country over party and you say that is a bridge too far. And that didn't happen then. And so to say now, how dare you? You know, when fuck the 90s was a fucking party line vote. That was a party line vote. You got seven Republican senators to say this was not okay. It's more than has ever happened in that country's history. Um, You know, you and I recorded a podcast the day that all this happened. And I, I felt like it was jarring at the time and I still feel like it's jarring. I don't know if you've watched any of the video that came out through the impeachment trial, but there is. No, I didn't. I've, I've like, between work and school right now, I'm looking at 80-hour weeks, so there's yeah. been some stuff slipping through the cracks. That's fair. Uh, there's been stuff that's come out that's, like, jarring. Well, I would heard yeah. that basically all his lawyers had quit, and so I wasn't surprised well that was that. that was before any of this started he, okay. he came in with guys who'd been on his legal team like yep. three days right well I heard that he threw quite a te- temper tantrum after uh Delores uh opening remarks yeah. I guess yeah he uh he was not happy with what his lawyer put forth whatsoever anyways that's uh, that's all I gotta say on the so what was the crazy stuff that was going on? Like, what did I miss? Well, just... Like, uh, people ranting and raving like Mussolini in the 40s? No, just, like, the the level of violence. The day that this stuff happened, and even, you know, if you didn't read or listen to a lot of stuff, you would think that um, the people in the Capitol were just like there, right? Like, oh, they got let in. They were like, oh, okay, we're here. All right, fine. Now we'll leave. And, and dude, when we recorded that day, that I, I mean, my argument was kind of that, right? Let them in. Who fucking cares? Let them blow off some steam and then they'll leave and it'll all be fine. The stuff that they showed, the video that they showed was like very violent. The, the, the people, if, if they would have been dressed as jihadists, they would have been shot. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. If, if that was, if they would have been black, they would have been shot. If that was 2000 brown dudes, 2000 black dudes, they, they would have opened fire in a second. Tiananmen In a Square, second. 2021. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't. It was white dudes, sometimes with Confederate flags, and they didn't, you a, a know. A cop was killed with a fire extinguisher to the head. 
Yeah. And another one was dragged down the stairs while he heard the crowd yell, kill him with his own gun. I mean, that's pretty chilling stuff. Yeah. Not to mention they had a gallows. I think they had a gallows set up where they were going to hang Mike Pence, supposedly. Like, yeah. holy cow. And, man. and, like, and wow. Donald Trump was tweeting during this that Mike Pence was the traitor. Yep. Yeah, he was. Um, because Pence stood up to him one time. It was the same deal with uh, Scooter Libby, Dick Cheney, and George W. Bush. The one time W. Bush stood up to Dick Cheney was when he said, "No, I'm said, not going to no, pardon, not gonna pardon Libby." Yeah. And Dick Cheney, uh, George W. Bush has been dead to Dick Cheney basically ever since. Yeah. So uh, Pence crosses Trump exactly the same in, in the eleventh hour, and any kind of insubordination, any kind of disloyalty with these guys, well, game over. One of my favorite tweets. Uh, that was like, you think you hate your job? Imagine having great seats to an NFL game, but then leaving because your boss told you to. And then three years later, your boss is tweeting trying to get people to murder you because he doesn't like you. And that's the that's the Mike Pence story, right? Like, he, he goes to this fucking Colts game. It's like, somebody's kneeling, I'm leaving. It was like a fucking total political stunt. and Someone who used to be gay, I'm leaving. And and three years later, you got Donald Trump literally trying to send insurrectionists to kill you. Um, and a quick shout out to former VP Mike Pence. It sounds like he's now in the podcast business. Oh my so God, welcome. is he? I did not know that. Yeah, now a colleague of ours, I guess. Yeah, let's call Mike Pence a colleague. Um. So so this is like this is a hard go because I get it from an intellectual standpoint of like there is no scenario where this guy should have got off. That's true. But that was also true 20 years ago and we decided politics made it okay. You know, 23 years ago. Um we can't be shocked, outraged, whatever, that the other guys are playing by the same rules now. Once you once you made it clear that impeachment proceedings were strictly political events, then you got to expect people to treat them that way. Um, yeah, I guess that's all I got to say about that. All right, we got five minutes. Anything before we go? Uh, hmm, so much, so much. Uh, how about I got to get this off my chest? Um, I saw the New York Knicks new 2021 jerseys for the first time the other night. Not a fan. I miss the Carmelo ones. I thought those were the best ones, and I thought those should have been the ones for the next decade. The other thing is I noticed instead of the Nike swoosh, they're now using the Jumpman Jordan logo, which I'm not a fan of considering when Jordan was playing for the Bulls, it was the Knicks that were at his mercy many a times, especially in the playoffs. So I just seeing a Knicks jersey with a Jordan brand logo on it is just, to me, uh, sacrilege. I mean, especially after some of those battles. Yeah. I mean, it's just a slap in the face. Like, 
when when the Charlotte uh, Charlotte Hornet started wearing it, perfect, makes sense. He owns the team, all good. I see it with the Bulls, okay, makes sense, perfect. We're all good there. I see it on my Knicks. Yeah, I see it. I see them wearing their new jerseys, which have white numbers instead of the orange lovers, the orange numbers that I love. Freudian slip there. Um, yeah, no, I'm just I'm I'm not happy. And again, you know, some people say, oh, well, they're just jerseys. Well, you know. Some people like me love the history of uniforms and have respect for them. And when you have something that works, why go away from it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, I I have many takes, but we'll save them for next week. I had to get that off my chest. We got time. God knows we have time now. Uh, Next, that's just it. Exactly. Like I, you know, we're all loaded for next couple weeks. Baseball, basketball, hockey. Next week, I'll need you to convince me. Of a sport to watch because nothing feels good now. Yep. Well, this, uh, we still got plenty of good UFC to go from here. Um, Going to be getting near NFL draft season. Uh, there's been some highly controversial mock drafts I thought released this week. Here will be This will be my final take. I was talking up Zach Wilson, BYU's quarterback on this podcast, a couple weeks ago for a couple weeks in a row saying he was going to be the fourth quarterback off the board. Every mock I'm seeing now has him going over Justin Fields. In fact, a lot of the mocks have him going number two right after Trevor Lawrence. So I'm glad that I was out and early on the Zach Wilson train because, boy, is it leaving the hype station right now as we enter draft season. Um, I had to do a quick thing, actually, before we go. I might have to downgrade the audio quality on this to fit this in, okay. but, like, this Urban Meyer, yeah, uh, Chris Doyle scenario. The guy didn't even last twelve hours. Like what a mess! And I either got... e- either you didn't do the homework or you did the homework and you didn't care. And I'm pretty sure the second one's worse. Well, here's the thing. I I heard this news. I, I like. I don't mean to be like a fucking you know <laughs> racist hipster here. But like, I I heard this news in the afternoon before he had resigned, and I read the quote that said, "I've known Chris for close to twenty years." Yeah. And when I read that, I was like, "What the fuck? Like, why do you think that's okay?" That makes it worse. Yeah, that you're like, "Oh, well, I've just known this guy, so his racist shit is okay." It was clearly an old boys club hire. And it's not even for me, the racist stuff. He sent 12 kids to the hospital through his training regimens over the years as a strength and conditioning But the racist stuff, the racist stuff too. If he's he's throwing out racial slurs as a fucking strength and conditioning guy. He said, I'll send you back to the ghetto. Personally, I I don't think that's really that bad. Was that it? I mean, it's probably not it, but to me... Saying okay. I'm going to send it, you back to the ghetto versus sending 12 kids no, no, no. to the hospital I, at that age. I mean, come on. I, I, like, I'm with you. If that's it, then I, I'm with you. Yeah. But the way that people responded to him does not make me think that was no. it. No, it sounds like there was a history of it. And like you just said, you know, for Urban Meyer to come out and double down and say, well, I've known the guy for 20 years. Okay, so. Well, and here's what I don't You've had 19 years to get a read on the guy. You've got fucking. Shot Khan owns the team. 
It's the one goddamn team in the league owned by a person of color. Yep. And you're out there being like, eh, I think this guy's good. Yeah. Hiring your strength and conditioning coaches from the local KKK like, round. Yeah, why? Why do you now you know, I said I, I said to my wife Jamie earlier, like, it says something about I, you know, I don't know if it's the NFL or these old school guys or whatever, but like clearly this guy figured out that he was a distraction and just resigned. Yep. Uh, yeah. Social media seems to amplify that. And I, sure. and I think the dude Speed like the process to whatever extent was just like, I don't, if, if I'm on the fucking front page of ESPN yeah. for being don't racist, yeah. like, don't yeah, I can heat. just, I, I can go fucking do strength and conditioning shit at yep. Cincinnati. Like I'll be fine. Exactly. Um, but it's good. I think Urban Meyer just didn't give a fuck. Man. Well, and that's what fuck. I think too. And if I'm the fucking cons, fuck. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Yep. But you're out too, here trying to give jobs to guys you like. But also too, they've expressed an interest in turning their ball club around and winning at all costs. And this guy's has a, a track record of winning. But now he's got to go win. Okay, but like, are you going to fucking uh, show me the last NFL team that won a Super Bowl with a bunch of white guys? Yeah, it's no. Pro- it's I, probably hey. the Patriots, let's be real. But yeah. like, yeah, you well, know. sure. But <laughs> yeah, like, as I've said many, as I've reminded, especially the younger fans, I'd like to think schooled many times on this podcast. The last starting corner that was white was Jason Seahorn, and it was a long fucking time ago. Yeah. So to answer your question about why guys win the Super Bowls, you're not winning them playing with them playing cornerback. We all know that. Yeah. So I like And I, outside of McCaffrey and Danny Woodhead, you're not gonna find many at running back either. Yeah. Did we talk about JJ Watt? No, we didn't. Is he going to the Steelers? You gotta of course, think, right? right? Derek yeah, I mean, and Derek and TJ are there, yeah. so you would think they're already yeah. filming the subway commercials. The three of them, they're already yeah. filming. Well, that they're doing that tag show, show. or whatever. Oh yeah, I, I watched. That. It's no good. You know, it's a you know bad show. Oh, it's terrible. You know yeah. what's sad is when the pandemic first started. I like. I was like, oh man, this is kind of like sports. Maybe I can get into this because I remember like when I was a kid, like American Gladiators, and there was some nostalgia there, and I was like, oh man, this could be really cool. Boy, man. It's Basically, a bad show. even though it's different competitors and different like live tapings, every episode is basically exactly the same. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good TV. Yeah. But yeah, he's, I, I think he's going to Pittsburgh. He's gonna, obviously going to have to take a big uh, discount. But hey, you just got Marquise Pouncey off the books. So I know, but does that make the team better? No, certainly not. He's yeah. still a Pro Bowl center. That's a pro. I, I mean, you need a center now. Yep. So you're gotta, using at you least draft a second a round pick on that. So yep. You got to draft a center now. Um. But yeah, I think Watts a, a natural fit with the Steelers. Uh, already a stacked D line with Hayward and Tuit and all those boys. T.J. Watt. Many people thought should have won Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he out. I'm comfortable. Donald. I'm comfortable with Donald winning that. I am too like, because he saw more. Te- he saw more triple teams, and he yeah. certainly saw more double teams. Yeah. So we're gonna be like, oh well, you know, TJ should have won it because it, it's like, and I say this as a fucking Steelers fan. I'm like, no, Aaron Donald had three guys on him more than anybody else yeah. in the league, yeah. without a doubt. Without and a doubt. in a lot of cases, broke through those. 
and even then his numbers were just short of TJ's. Just right? barely. Like, so yeah. it's yeah. If the if the shoe was on the other foot, right? Like we know who would be dominating. Steelers fans yeah, no, would be losing their no mind problem. if the shoe was on the other foot. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um but yeah, I think I, I can't see Watt going anywhere else, right? I mean unless it's like an obvious win now well, situation. Well, it'd be like, yeah, exactly Green Bay, like, New England, yeah, Tampa yeah. Bay, like those are no, scenarios. No, I would say no chance New England. Um, did you know that Stafford, the only, like, I think Stafford had a full trade, no trade con- And said the only place he didn't want to go was New place, England. Yeah, the only place he named was New England. So now, I don't, part I don't of that know discussion is Patricia. Patricia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, like, talk about glaring, huh? Like, holy cow. When I saw that, I had a good chuckle. So my my thinking about that is is maybe a little more nuanced, that he might just know... I don't want to be basically the guy after Brady, right? Like if you go to new England, there's one dude you're getting compared with and it's literally the greatest quarterback of all time. So what's your upside? Oh, you win a ring. No, you win because he's seen the depth chart at the skill position. So yeah, you're not not making the playoff. But even if you pull it off, dude, like, Let's say you go out there and you win a championship. You're the second best quarterback. Yep. You know, you win two cha- you win three championships. You're still With those rosters. And, I, I think I, they should build a statue. Sure. I mean. But and and I don't think that's likely either, right? But I what I'm saying though, I I think my point yeah, is valid. I, is I that hear, like there is nothing you could do there to be statue worthy. You know, yeah, Nick but Foles I mean, has say, a say, fucking statue of him out in Philly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that speaks a lot about Philly, doesn't it? Well, I, um, I, it's wild to though. build that while both of them are still pl- out there, you know. Just to play on what you said about Brady and Stafford in New England, say Stafford wins it with the Rams this year. Yeah. I don't think he passes Kurt Warner in Rams lore. Oh, may, I, maybe not, but... Greatest show on turf, man. I just uh... no, but if he wins three, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. If he uh... if he wins three, it's not close, and if he wins two, it's a conversation. Both of those things aren't true in New England. Yeah. Right. If you win three in New England, it's still like yeah, but right, like mm-hmm. and they're mass holes. Like it would for sure be a yeah, but in L.A., Let's... you win three, you're like oh. You've got 10 million people behind you. Let's for sure carve out some time for next week to talk about um, the current state of the NFC West because I do have some opinions. I don't think it's going to be such a gravy train for the Rams that they think it's going to be. I really don't. You know, the NFC West is so interesting because it's like... if loaded. It's loaded right now. But if Especially Russell, if the 49ers upgrade a quarterback, man. Okay, but what if they don't? What if what if it goes the other way? What if Russell Wilson is out? What if Jim Garoppolo is out? And so you've basically just Wilson's got... Going I hear. I, Cardinals are going to be better, though. Colin Murray's going to take a... Maybe not a big leap, but a little leap. I think the O-line's going to be better. I think they're going to be better under Kingsbury next year. Okay, but there's, I, like, I don't, there's I don't a think 30% the are... chance they're worse, right? Yeah, okay. But I don't think, 
I think if the Seahawks do something foolish like trade Russell Wilson, which it sounds like they're not going to. I don't think they will either, I don't, for I the don't record. Think, I don't think Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf are done making noise in that division. They should, but they got to get a guy who's going to be comfortable with Russ throwing the ball. And, I, and I'm not sure Pete Carroll's the head coach for that. I've been this has been a hobby horse of mine, but like Pete Carroll gets nervous when you throw a pick. Uh let me put it this way. Tom Brady threw three picks in the conference championship game. And then they came out in the Super Bowl and he threw the ball seventy percent of the time in the first half. That like that is my argument. If you're Russell Wilson and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna throw some picks sometimes, and I'm gonna fucking you know pull it off. Here's here's the other piece. Do we need to have a conversation about, uh, for lack of a better term, mobile quarterbacks taking hits and aging in a way? where they're not as mobile. Like, listen, Russell Wilson can't outrun the linebackers anymore. And that's not a shot at Russell Wilson is a better football player than we will see nine times out of 10 at the quarterback position. He's an elite quarterback. He has a ring. He has the potential to win more. And he can't outrun a linebacker anymore. So... Do we start having a conversation about the long-term success of guys like Russell Wilson, guys like Carson Wentz, where they had a lot of mobility and that mobility disappears and then all of a sudden we're like, "Eh, this is, it's not going great. Anyways. These are things to talk about for the next six months until football comes back. Um, we're super over time. Anything else before we go? Uh, no, I think we can kick the rest of next week. Uh, shout out to Kamaru Usman for ensuring that Great we fight. both had a successful night. I didn't. I didn't want to talk about what you bet, but I had at least two hundred and fifty dollars on Mister Usman. And I've made close to $100 as a result. Uh, so thank you. Sounds like a smart thing to do. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, like like folks who are like, oh, how, you know, how could you do this? It's like, okay, <laughs> Here, here's what's up, right? That's a, what, 35, 37% return. I, now listen, there's lots of stuff that you're going to put your money into like GameStop that uh, you'll just lose your goddamn money in the stock market or whatever. And there's a scenario. Listen, Usman got hurt with a punch early in this fight. Yep. Right. There are scenarios where you lose your, you just lose your money here. I thought it was going to be an early night. Yeah. It's, it's a sport where one punch can change it and end it. Right. But it's sudden death overtime at all times. If it fucking doesn't like people act like a fucking 38 percent return they're like oh how could you bet 200 dollars when you're only getting 80 back i'm like guys never lost that sounds great 
guy's never lost. He's the champ. So that means you have to beat him convincingly. Like, there was so much. Guy, the guy we, he was fighting just beat COVID-19. Like, it was a pretty smart fucking bet to make. If right? I like, gave you $200,000 and you gave me 80 back, I'd be like, you're doing amazing at investing. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I don't want to act like sports betting is investing, but like the returns on some of these, especially on the favorite side, it's that's strong. And especially for 15 minutes of your time. And oh, by the way, 15 minutes of your time that you're immensely entertained. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people pay good money for that level. Well, and that's the flip side. I said I paid 65 bucks for this. Well, tell you what, I made it back. Yep. You know. Take that, Dana. Yeah. But that's probably how Dana would like it, right? That's true. I'm sure I'm sure Dana would like fans to pay for fights and then make money betting on them, right? Or he's got agreements with those guys. Uh, uh I felt like the Usman line was low because Connor got beat, you know, three weeks ago or whatever. Uh two weeks ago. That I felt like there was a direct correlation between that, that people were like, oh, betting on the underdog in UFC. And this wasn't the fight to do it on. Um, I think there's, I, I actually, let's take a look just before we go off the air here. Um, I'm real interested to see what the uh, Blahovitz, Blahovitz. Yeah, that should be good. Uh, number is, let's see if I can pull it up here. So that's, Fight night. That's a tough one to handicap, man, because like Izzy Adesanya has verbally said he's not planning on putting on a single pound. Like he's coming in at the same weight that he always is. <laughs> That's so classic Adesanya. Yeah, and so I I do wonder like Just so what you're we've doing got that. Adesanya minus two sixty five. Okay. I kinda like Blahovitz there. Yeah. Plus two hundred. With his power. Just let me say quick as we finish things up. Uh, quick note about Izzy Adesanya. Anybody that hasn't woken up and smelled, and smelled the coffee yet and realized that this guy is the face of the sport, this guy is the biggest name in the sport, needs to give their head a shake because it's time they figure things out. The time is now. Izzy Adesanya is the franchise. I uh, Listen, I agree. I agree with you to an extent. John Jones doesn't want to hear it, but it's the truth. Well, that's not what I was going to say. Conor McGregor is still the biggest name. Yeah, I mean, he's the biggest draw, absolutely. Yeah. But when you we're talking, the total, I mean, I think we can agree Conor's probably passes prime as a UFC fighter, whereas Adesanya, yeah. I mean, the sky's the limit, right? This guy can do anything he wants. Yeah, but he might get knocked the fuck out. Yeah, like, he could. Like the big was... the big money fight and one of the all time fights is Adesanya versus Jones. It is. Yep. And so John they've... Jones is just too stupid to figure it out. Yeah. And so they've said Jones is gonna get the winner of the heavyweight title fight. Yep. Stipe Nagano. So if Adesanya wins this fight too It makes it incredibly complicated, man, because Jones just vacated that title, left that division put on this weight to go be a, a legit heavyweight. So, I mean, yeah, you know, he's 
like they can't they can do it across one division, but they can't do it across two divisions. I'll like, tell you it, what, I have a Izzy re- Adesanya can't go fight in the heavyweight division. You know I, I, mean? I have a real problem with John Jones going right into a title shot. You've got Blades versus Lewis yep. happening next week. Like mm-hmm. if one of those if you say that going in like, you know, if one of those guys goes out and has a convincing win over the other, one way or the other. Like, I, I would like Lewis to win that fight, but, like, even if Blades comes out and fucking submits him in, you know, the second round, Blades should be getting a heavyweight championship fight after that. That's, the that's... only problem with Blades is... Well, he's boring. It... He's terrible well, to watch. Hey, I'm all for, you know, him getting the Ws as much as it drives Dana nuts, but the only thing with Blades is he's fought Nagano twice and he's lost to him twice. Um... If it's Stipe, I'd like to see Blades should, get a shot at Stipe. Pro- but, and I think it's going to be Stipe. Yeah, I I mean, I have, if we're going on history, right? I mean, Stipe's beat him once before. Yeah. Uh, Nunez, minus 1,000. So yeah, you bet I mean, you, you need to bet 1,000 to win 100. Poor Megan Anderson. Poor yeah. Megan. Well, she, yeah, it's a, it's a rough go. Yeah, I mean, she's... Great card, but rough go. She's going to get obliterated. But as I've said before, there's no shame in coming in second to the best female fighter on the face of the earth. Pound right. for pound. That's it. That's all. Uh, thank you all for listening. My name's Charles. He is Nick Smart, and we will talk to you again next week.